0: Speak to the mountains. Get up on the high hills. Let everybody know to behold your God. And then it says... Behold, your God shall come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule with him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. Do you notice how all of this is in the future tense? He shall come. He will do this. Well, guess what? For Isaiah's time, it was future. But for us, it's present. And what is it? It's that Jesus is the shepherd king.
1: The prophecy we'll learn about today in the book of Isaiah is written in future tense. And as Pastor Daniel will share, was something the people of Israel still had to look forward to. For us, though, these promises are current. Jesus did come, and he did shepherd his people. He gave hope and life and comfort in the middle of strife. He still does this for us right now. We have access to the unending grace and love of our shepherd king. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, When God Arrives. In Isaiah chapter 40. Jesus is
0: thank God I don't have to remember to create air so that I can breathe it. I thank God every single day I don't have to remember to keep my heart beating. I can't remember what day it is. You know what I mean? Every single day I'm complete. imagine if I had to create the food that I have to eat and remember to digest it. We're all completely dependent upon God. Jesus is always with us. But something absolutely transformational happens when we realize it. And I think for today, there's gonna to be some of you who you're gonna say yes to Jesus for the first time today, and you're gonna realize that your entire life you have lived, God has been with you every step of the way, you just weren't aware of it. That every moment God was with you, And that's why there's comfort here. That's why comfort is here because Jesus is real and he exists at street level for each one of us. Now it says here for the Lord at the end of verse two in Isaiah 40, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. In the Hebrew, it literally means that she has received sufficiency for her sins. Again, all this speaks to the finished work of Jesus and the fact that comfort is here. Now moving on in verse three, it says this. It says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert the highway for our God. Each valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Brothers and sisters, what this teaches us is that the path is straight, The way of God is a straight way. It's a straight path. Now, this is super important because really what's going on here is this, it's this voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, we don't realize the imagery of this, but I'm explaining it to you. Now, when Isaiah writing this, if a dignitary or a ruler wanted to go to an area, they would send forerunners runners ahead of them to both scout out the way and to make sure that the way is safe and passable. If there's any issues, they begin to prepare the way so this dignitary can go. Now, I am not a runner. and But some of you maybe know people who ran long distances in high school. So I, actually, I did run. I used to run from the police when I was growing up. Not long distances. I could run really quick in those situations. A couple of my friends who were law enforcement. Was like, ah, you ran from us. I'm like, I ran quick, man. Those were not good days. I want to tell you some stories, but I'm going to refrain from it. Oh, Listen, just so you know, if you're running from the police, you're doing it wrong. That's not the straight path. That's crooked path, right? Anyway, back to my analogy. Sorry about that, I was on the side. So people who are to run cross country, especially when you're not running cross country like on a track, but you're running in the wilderness... It's very common for someone to go and they walk that path and they get used to where's the inclines and where's the declines? Where is it going to get bottled up where people are running? See, you send someone ahead to do scouting. You know, in sports, they do this all the time. If they're going to face a certain pitcher, they'll do advanced scouting on the pitcher to know how to attack it. In the same way, when a dignitary was going to go into an area, they would send forerunners ahead of them to make sure that everything was lined up because they didn't want the dignitary to be inconvenienced in traveling. So this whole thing, this voice make straight in the desert, a highway for our God, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain brought low. The idea is this thing needs to be straight and smooth. All the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. This is a forerunner's mentality of the coming of a king. Now, what's beautiful is that all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all use this verse to describe one person. Anyone know who that is? John the Baptist. Let me read to you how this goes. In John chapter 1, verses 19 to 23, it says, now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed He said, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. And then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who send us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, so how powerful is this? Now you have this idea of a forerunner going to prepare the way for the Lord. And then John the Baptist is like, yeah, I'm that guy. So in Jesus's first coming, John the Baptist is the forerunner. But who is the forerunner for Jesus's soon second return? Anyone know? You and me. We are. Our lives are designed to be a highway that is straight so that people may know that Jesus is real and that Jesus is coming back again. But here's the question, is your path straight? Because you know what's going on in this day and age, 21st century Christianity in the West, people say, you know what, how much can I get away with and still be a follower of Jesus? Jesus. How close can I get to living like hell and still be a follower of Jesus going to heaven? But Jesus invites all of us to enter through the narrow gate. It's a difficult way. Few find it, but it does lead to life. Is your life a straight path? Now, I love this idea. Notice the pictures of not just a road, but a highway. Do you ever think about what a highway is for? A highway is to get you there the fastest, The most people can get on it and you can cruise down the highway, you know? Your life and my life as the hands and feet of Jesus, as the body of Christ, we are actually designed to open up easy on-ramps for people to begin to follow Jesus through the way that we live. How are you at being a forerunner for Christ? What's the testimony of your life? Now listen, I mentioned those who are trying to see how far over can we get without getting in trouble. I have a rule that says if I ever have to ask God if it honors him, I already know the answer. You know what I mean? Like if I have to say, Lord, does this give you glory? I already know the answer because you don't want to live your life trying to figure out how far over can I be to the line. It's like when you fall madly in love with somebody. When you meet someone who is madly in love with someone, they never say, I wonder how close I can get to this other person and still be in love with this. You never think that way, do you? Why? Because you're consumed with that person. And in the same way, if you're the kind of person, if you're following Jesus and you're like, well, can I do this? Is it okay? Is here the line or is here the line? What that means is that you're not in love. Because I never met someone, I'm so in love, but I got this thing on the side. It's not like that. Because when you're so in love, no one matters anymore. These things don't matter anymore. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where a lot of followers of Jesus are not on the straight path. They're on the crooked path or they're on the straight path. They're trying to figure out how crooked can I make the path? And brothers and sisters, let that never be named among us. We want to walk on that straight path. Why? Because your life was not just for you. It's created for God's glory and to be a testimony in the world. Will we say, Lord, make my path straight? Make the crooked ways straight. Make the rough parts of who I am smooth, God, that I may be a forerunner preparing the way. Now, I do want to mention this before we move on from here, and I hate to mention it, but we have to also be realistic about what it means to be a voice crying in the wilderness. Do you know what happened to the voice crying in the wilderness? He got beheaded. John the Baptist got killed. He got his head taken off for standing up to a king about his immorality. So as much as I love talking about being, let the path be straight, I also realize that I'm setting you up for some hardship if you say yes. Because if you are willing to be a voice who echoes the timeless reality of Jesus into our contemporary setting, you will have opposition. And not just from the outside it's funny. We don't talk about politics a lot here at Crossroads, except when I tell people that they should love their enemies. It's funny. In the last election, I had two families leave Crossroads all within a week. One said that I was a closet liberal. The other said I was a closet conservative. (laughs) It made me laugh. All I ever say is no matter how you hold your politics, you should love your enemies. Why? Because Jesus said that. And Jesus died for that. And I don't think he's playing when he says, I don't think he's, well, yeah, just like, you know, take that. But as long as they're not, you know, on the other side of the American political aisle. But listen, so many churches just encourage you just to hate the person who votes opposite you. And they call themselves Christian. I mean, Jesus died on a cross. But Jesus invites each one of us to be a voice that cries out into the darkness, echoes the truths of the loving God and the finished work of Jesus. Will you be willing to walk on that straight path differently than the way our world lives? Not crooked, but straight. I love this because this little section ends, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. That's what this is about. This straight path is about God's glory. It's about who God is and how humanity sees God. God's glory will be revealed and all flesh will see it. So we want to make sure that our path is straight. Now moving on from there in verse six, it says this. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field the grass withers and the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. What we have here is we have a contrast between humanity and the word of God right? Now, there's one thing that all of humanity shares, and that is our impermanence. The fact that all of humanity is transitory. See, this idea of grass or flower, it comes, it blossoms, it withers, and then it goes away. Now, this is just the Bible being realistic, that for each one of us, our lives are transitory. Does that make sense? You're here now, And at some point, you won't be. You grew up, how many, you know, we have a whole entire industry that's trying to make you like, oh man, you know, you get nipped and tucked and lifted and all this stuff so that you look the way that you looked when you were in the blossoming of your flower, when you were really great. you ever see those folks who've had one, two men's plastic surgery? Yeah, they look the way they look when they were kids. (laughs) no you know why because all of us are transitory everything is temporary you're in the strength of who you are and then later guess what it's going to be breaking down and that's the human condition but just because we are temporary in our journey through this life does not mean that everything is temporary because what we learn here is that although all of humanity is temporary it comes it blossoms it withers and fades god's word never changes God's word never changed. God's word is fixed and it is permanent. No matter how unpopular the Bible is in any culture. See, Jesus of Nazareth does not need celebrities to believe the Bible for it to be the most important book that ever lived. Amen. And no matter how popular or unpopular it is, transitory, temporary humanity is not going to change what is eternal and fixed. But you know how I like to talk about these verses? I like to call it this way. We need God's wind on God's word. We need God's wind on God's word. Why? Because notice, in talking about this, all flesh is as grass and its loveliness is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. The idea of the breath of God or the wind of God speaks of the spirit of God. And we don't just need the absolutely fixed eternal word of God, but we actually need God's spirit in the midst of God's word. We need God's wind in God's word. Why? Because if you've been around church any length of time, you can meet people who know the Bible real well, but they haven't let the spirit of God enliven the word of God in their hearts, which means you can know everything about the Bible and you can be mean-spirited, judgmental, and hateful in the name of Jesus which is what happens when you memorize the Bible as a book without letting the wind of God, the Spirit of God, enliven the word to our hearts. And this is very, very common. Some of you right now are in that category. You know chapter and verse. You can correct everyone's theology, but you don't love anybody, which means even though you know the word, you don't know the word at all because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. What else is it? Joy, Peace. peace, kindness, If you guys don't know it, go to VBS. (laughs) We teach it to the kids. Galatians chapter five. See, God's spirit brings out the abundant life. It cultivates the resurrected life of Jesus. And we need God's wind over God's word. See, we live in a day and age. where in the church of Jesus Christ. There's either God's wind and no word or there's God's word and no wind. It's like, no, no, we need God's spirit and God's word. Amen? Because when God stirs his spirit in our heart over the book transformation happens where all of a sudden we only not only know the word but we know the heart of god in the word people can know the word and not know the heart of god like how do you know the word and judge your neighbor i mean think about that for a second jesus says judge not lest you be judged well i'm judging my neighbor it's like what And then what happens in church, you know the word well enough, you know of God's spirit, you start to justify it. Like, I got this verse over here. I'm a fruit inspector. (laughs) I'm discerning. No, you're just judgmental. Stop it. Peter grabs hold of this idea of God's wind on God's word in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. He says this, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently, with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because... All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And then he says, now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Do you see that? So we want God's wind on God's word. We want the full, all that the spirit of God is for us in Christ enlivening and invigorating God's word to transform our hearts because even though we are temporary God's word is not so we see that comfort is here we see that the path is straight and we see that we want God's wind on God's word now I got one more step in this for you and I think this is going to bless you Look what says in Isaiah 40, verse 9. It says, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountains, O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. And he will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. So powerful because in Isaiah being raised up as his voice in the wilderness, he starts talking to Zion, speaking of Mount Zion, where Jerusalem is, the city of Jerusalem. And he says, you who bring good tidings, you who bring good tidings. Isn't that what they said when Jesus was born? One who brings, I bring you great tidings, good tidings of great joy. There's this message of comfort. There's this message of joy, right? And he's saying, we want you to tell everybody, speak to the mountains, get up on the high hills, let everybody know to behold your God. And then it says, behold, your God shall come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule with him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. Do you notice how all of this is in the future tense? He shall come. He will do this. Well, guess what? For Isaiah's time, it was future. But for us, it's present. And what is it? It's that Jesus is the shepherd king. Jesus is the shepherd king. Now, I think this is important because really what you have here is you have what seems to be two paradoxical ideas, two paradoxical sets of characteristics about Jesus that the Bible marries together because Jesus has both. One, Jesus is a strong ruler. The idea is he shall rule with the strength of his hand. His arms shall rule for him. This speaks of a great conquering king. And when you think of a great strong king, you often think of somebody who is strong and dominating, right? But Jesus isn't just a conquering king. He's also a shepherd. Not only is Jesus powerful, but he moves in paternal and maternal care for people. Now, I know when I say Jesus moves in maternal care, everyone's like, what? But look at what it says. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lamb with his arms and carry them where? In his bosom. Now, that's a very maternal picture, isn't it? It's a picture of a mother with her child giving of herself literally for the care and nurture of that child. See, Jesus is the shepherd king, both powerful and careful, both strong, but also very tender, caring for, shepherding the sheep of his pasture. And that is who Jesus really is. He's not just a shepherd and he's not just a king. He's both at the same time. One of the things I love so much about Jesus, that Jesus isn't just machismo and strong, but he's also warm and tender. He wasn't just a great, strong man, but kids love to be in his presence. He cares. Now, listen to what it says in John chapter 10, verses 14 to 16. It says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Brothers and sisters, listen. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, I am the good shepherd. I am known by my own. Every single day, Jesus is inviting you, child of God, to simply respond to him.
1: The truths of the Bible will always transcend time and cultures. And Pastor Daniel taught a few of them to us today. One such truth is that Jesus, the Savior of the world, is both strong and gentle, both king and shepherd. He rules over the world from his heavenly throne, but he loves and shares the emotions of his people, his children. He knows our joys and our sadness and cares deeply for each one of us. I want to thank you so
0: much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch
1: with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice and we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel dives into a topic we all need to talk about, the truth of who Jesus was and is. The portion of the book of Isaiah that Pastor Daniel will bring us to may challenge the picture you have of Jesus and will for sure remind you of your own need for a Savior. Jesus was ridiculed by society and still is today, yet he chose to take up the cross, enduring death to rescue us from sin. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Echoes. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.